What's up, homies? What's up, homies? I'm Erica. And I'm Roshane. And I'm dreaming of a black, <laughs> of a black Christmas. And then another black Christmas again. <laughs> and then again in 2019, it's a black Christmas again. <laughs> For the third time, Billy is back. I don't know if that's how the tune goes, but <laughs> I mean, basically, I, 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 I guess that's a different one. There's the jazzy version. I was singing the more um, sexy, seductive <laughs> version, but then there's the jazzy one. That's true. Uh, but actually, correction: Billy does not come back in the third one. Now that I think about it. Uh, we left Billy behind. We left Billy in 2006. He's so 2006. So 2006. So he couldn't couldn't survive in this era, let me tell you. Not in this climate. <laughs> 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 couldn't 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 hack it. Uh so yeah, 2019 we started fresh. Mm-hmm. Much much to some people's chagrin. <laughs> we'll True. we'll we'll just we'll let you guys know later if we feel that same way. But yeah, we've had three black Christmases. Mm-hmm. Um, very split apart. This isn't a, f- a franchise where we had them consistently. This is one where we had it. Many moons went by. We had another one. And it was mm-hmm. like, okay. And then once again, less moons went by. But I will say I feel like every new black Christmas was a surprise. Never did I think we needed another Black Christmas. Every single time a Black Christmas came. <laughs> true, true. But it's a pretty well-known and loved franchise. Well, franchise. I say franchise loosely, but like franchise yeah. for a lot of people. Uh, specifically, the OG one I know holds a special place in a lot of people's hearts. Mm. Um, and it's also the uh, blueprint for a lot of other like slasher horrors that came later on. Um, mm-hmm. Though I will say... Right here and now, before we hop into all the like specifics and whatnot, I hadn't seen any of them. I thought right. I, I thought I had maybe seen one or two of them, like maybe the two thousand and six. But watching all three, nah, completely yeah. blind. Homies, we're in for a treat today because I, up until yesterday, thought that Roshane had seen all of them <laughs> um, and then to realize well maybe not all of them i knew for sure you hadn't seen the original mm-hmm. and i knew for sure you hadn't seen the newest one but 2006 2006 i boy i would have bet my life on the fact that you had seen <laughs> 2006 so i'm glad i shut up and didn't say a word <laughs> but yeah this is br- this is going to be fun because obviously we've never talked about them because you've never seen them and then mm-hmm. This was my first time seeing 2019. I had seen the others. Okay. Um, so that'll be a brand new conversation um, just for me in general as well. Mm-hmm. But we're still keeping it in the holiday spirit this week. I'll bet we're going very, very dark. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> much mm-hmm. darker subject matter. But we're still in the holidays, so it still counts. 
But we're definitely going to be talking about some pretty serious topics today, I think. So I guess general uh, trigger warning for like assault, uh, harassment, Mm -hmm. a big R word, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. There's a lot in there. Um, and we will boyfriends. Yeah, there's there's a bunch. So uh, just know that we'll probably be deep diving into some uh, touchy topics, but we'll try not to ruin anybody's holiday cheer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, we still got stuff to talk about. Yeah. So uh, as you can see, we're doing Black Christmases. Uh, <laughs> so that's three movies to be talked about. Uh, so we're just going to go ahead and hop in so we can have some good discussions about all three. Um, we won't be doing the scare scale since we're talking about three movies. But you'll hear from our conversation if we thought that that particular one was scary or not. <laughs> um, and also just a quick little um plug quick little invitation if you guys are listening to this on monday um come and join us we're having a holiday party on stream today Mm -hmm. um at 3 pst is when it starts and we'll be going um from then for a good little while so if you guys want to come through watch us play some games play games with us Mm -hmm. and join in holiday cheer spooky of course holiday cheer then yeah come through on our twitch we would love to have you but without further ado we're going to go ahead and jump into spoiler territory. So you have been warned. Mm-hmm. But today we're going to be talking about all three Black Christmas movies. Uh, the first one being the original, which came to us in 1974 from director Bob Clark, who some of you may remember from A Christmas Story, with writer Aroy Moore, starring Olivia Hussey as Jess, Margot Kidder as Barb, Andrea Martin as Phil, and Marion Waldman as Mrs. Mack. We'll also be talking about the 2006 Black Christmas coming to us from writer and director Glenn Morgan, who some may remember from The X-Files. This one starring Katie Cassidy as Kelly, Michelle Trachenberg as Melissa, Christine Cloak as Lee, and Andrea Martin returning as Miss Mack. And lastly, the 2019 Black Christmas, this one from writer-director Sophia Tikal, um, who some of you may have remembered from the Into the Dark series. They wrote New Year, New You, but is starring Imogen Poots as Riley, Elise Shannon as Chris, Lily Donahue as Marty, and Carrie Elways as Professor Gelson. It's Christmas time again. That wonderful time of the year filled with family, friends, and gift giving. But for a group of sorority sisters, this holiday season is about survival. And when several women go missing over winter break, it is clear that old Saint Nick isn't the only one watching these women. Insert disturbing spam calls, eyeball ornaments, and toxic alpha male energy here. Our films conclude with three generations of sisters working together to survive the holidays. But will they be able to put differences aside before becoming permanent members of Billy's family? Also, Ho, 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 shit. Roll credits. 
right. So, starting off, 1974. Mm, the classic. Bl- Black Christmas <laughs> hits the scene mm-hmm. and is not successful, <laughs> but becomes successful over the years, becomes a cult classic and becomes, like you said, the inspiration for, along with some other films um, that have become prior to mm-hmm. it, um, becomes the inspiration for slashers down the line. I think for sure you can really attribute this film and peeping tom for being part of the inspiration for john carpenter to do this sort of a perspective in Halloween. yeah um so it's a huge stepping stone in the future they just weren't ready for it in 74 <laughs> you know it was it was before its time as they say yeah 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 it was a little bit early but now it's right on time um and coming as someone who is just now watching it um 12 16 2022 uh roshane i would love to know (laughs) what is in your notebook about black christmas 1974 all right well the first note i have here is it's a a couple minutes into the movie but um i wrote down just hang up the phone uh, in regards to the first of several uh, disturbing calls that we get from our killer in the OG Black Christmas. Um, so we're at, we're at a sorority house and they're being festive, having fun. And then they start getting these weird calls. And this first call, it really, you know, it really set things up for me. It really established that whoever we were dealing with didn't have something right upstairs um yeah but the length of time that we were on this phone call i truly thought just hang it up like why why are we sitting here taking this you know what's really smart about the way they did Mm -hmm. this though is they make it so that this is not the first call they've ever had it's been happening for a while, but therefore it kind of gives the characters an excuse because normally if this was the first time, you would hang up. You would say, ew, whatever, and you'd hang up probably the first couple of times. Mm -hmm. But it kind of leaves you as the audience to think, oh, they've probably done that before and they've probably just called back and maybe they're at this point now. It's interesting because you can tell with where these girls are in this situation that it kind of seems like they're at this point where they're horrified by it, but they kind of can't look away. It's like a car crash. They're almost fascinated by it. It's scary, but they've almost turned it into the situation of, oh, let's all crowd around and hear what they're going to do on the phone call this time. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that that has taken time to to get to that that point because yeah they what do they call him the moaner the moaner yeah yeah, yeah. so it's happened uh, uh uh before for sure they've given him a nickname at this point <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and like i guess in that regard i do understand because at some point you know you get prank calls and you almost want to like test them to see how much material they got and like how long they can keep it going. Mm-hmm. And so there is a little bit of that energy here. But after like a minute of it, me as the audience member, I was like, I'm I'm done with this phone call. I would like <laughs> to hang up the phone. It is it is a wild call. These calls in general are 
nuts. And I, but that's why I feel like, I don't know, there would be some, like some side to me that would think, what are they going to do next? Because it's not, this first phone call is the most crude Mm -hmm. phone call I think that we'll get. Um, Because I would say this first phone call is very, very sexual, very lewd, um, and does almost feel like some guy who's trying to be gross and pervy and creepy to these women. But then after this phone call and through the rest of them throughout the movie, they get weird. They get very strange in a way where these calls almost feel like they're no longer about the girls in the house. It doesn't feel like that anymore. It feels like this caller is going through these whole scenarios on the phone that have nothing to do with the answer that he's receiving. So it gets very strange in a way that I don't know. I feel like if it was me, I kind of would. I kind of would stay on the phone, <laughs> <laughs> which is probably the worst thing that you could do. But only because this man could throw his voice and he has multiple characters. He is putting on a one man show. He I give is. him that. <laughs> he is putting on a full on show and it changes. It's different every single time that they answer the phone. Hello? Hello? Who's there? Yeah, it's it's pretty wild the amount of variation that this Billy, who's unnamed yet, um, but Billy puts into these calls because it does at times sound like there are different, like completely different people um, talking. And I do agree. I feel like this first one is very cut and dry, but the rest of them do change in like a very cryptic sort of way where part of you is trying to piece together like what is causing this conversation? Like what led to this conversation is what I'm thinking while I'm hearing it. But at the same time, it's like when they come, we also have the, the idea and notion that people have been disappearing. Like everyone's getting a little bit more worked up. So I think that they do get 
scarier in that regard yeah. because like now it's less of just like oh it's a prank caller and more just like oh it's the killer calling mm-hmm. or the person who has my friend is now calling because the timing of these things was way too convenient right yeah they become really unnerving especially because we start to have these phone calls where there's just screaming and laughing and crying Mm -hmm. and this person on the phone is saying things that can very very easily be interpret interpreted as i am wanting to be violent or i have been violent or i will be violent towards you or towards someone it's very clear that this person is um capable of taking things further than just a phone call Mm -hmm. and i think that that's something that these girls discover throughout is that it's much more of a tangible threat than they originally had thought and of course they don't realize this until majority of their safety net i guess you could call it because i think for a lot of people the more people you're surrounded with the safer that you feel whether that be true or not they don't really realize that until mainly all of their friends have gone for the holidays right now we're really only left with three four girls Mm -hmm. and that's when they start to realize like oh this is this is a lot more serious than we had originally kind of given it credit for. Mm-hmm. Also, I want to say I love all of these. Like, I guess now it's more uh, more of a thing to be like holiday centric uh, horror movies. But all of these ones that take place over winter break or like summer break or like any sort of a break. I think those <laughs> are very they're very smart because it explains why there are not as many people around. Mm-hmm. I do think that it ups the um it ups the ante for all the characters who get left behind during these breaks right because like i've been at in college during like a break time before and it really is like it feels like a ghost town like it's you and the couple of other people who are there but for the most part if something were to go down like it would just be you guys like there's maybe a minimalist amount of like campus security or something like that but even there like I'm kind of on like my vacation shift, you know, like they're really right. not pressed and trying to be do- trying to do anything right now. So any like issues that you have from like this week to this week, it really falls on you and the people that you're with. And in regards to like all of these movies, I think this notion that somebody's like hunting you down and going after you while you're on break, that's really freaking scary because not only are you kind of isolated and by yourself, but you're also like far away from your family and far away from home for a lot of these girls. Oh, yeah, definitely. They're far away from their safe spaces. And also, too, it's kind of, especially with them being in a sorority, it's not like they're living in the dorms where you know, oh, yeah, I got campus security right here mm-hmm. if, if anything happens. They're still isolated to a certain degree. They still are basically in a giant house. It would be like if you were just like left in a huge house by yourself Mm -hmm. for a weekend and nobody was going to come check on you because why would they? Exactly. Which would already be scary. But like (laughs) this isn't even your house. It's just some place that you stay when you're at college. And that doesn't help that they have a creepy attic. Look, 
Attics, crawl spaces, immediately a no-go. If I was on House Hunters and they said, this place has an attic, I'd say, take me to the next place. <laughs> I don't even want to look at this house. No, 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 we don't need an attic. We don't need an attic. The attics, we don't need a crawl attics can space. be cool. They're, granted, they are harbingers of death most of the time, but like a very nicely decorated attic can be nice. I just feel like how often... Homies out there who have an attic, how often do you really go up into your attic? Like, how much are you frequenting that place? Do you wake up and think, I'm going to hang out in the attic today? Or do you only go there when you need storage or you need to just grab something real quick? I have no doubts that you could probably make that look cool. But I also feel like it's just an easy place for you to forget or just hardly ever go to mm -hmm. and things like that make me scary places there where you like never really check them uh -huh. make me nervous because it's like whether it be a human being who has decided to shack up there or just <laughs> bugs or something mm -hmm. um i don't like to know that there is potentially something there that i don't want to come face to face with just because i like hardly ever go in the in that space fair would you rather creepy attic or creepy basement which would you prefer basement all day basement because <laughs> easy easy i can check the basement every single day every single day i'm down there is this door open boop who's there nobody is this closet open ah, ah, ah. nobody's there and you can just run down the basement do a little quick scan Bop, bop, bop. We're clear. Basement secured. But like to get into the attic, you have to pull down the ladder. <laughs> you have to go up into the attic. It's dark as fuck. <laughs> Where's the light switch? Probably you have to probably go into the dark just to get to the light switch. Uh huh. No, I would seal that shit off. I would just cement that. <laughs> Don't even think about it. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Good to know where you stand. Why would you prefer an attic? You know, I think I got to go with creepy attic, mostly because I never had an attic growing up. So I feel like I'm just envious of the people that did have them and would want one regardless. Uh, not for any safety factor whatsoever, mm. mostly just from want. That's fair. I mean, I will say when I was a kid, I always wanted an attic because it seemed cool. Um, mm -hmm. But yes, just through life and stories. The coolness has worn off a little bit. Just a <laughs> scotch, just a scotch. But I will say it works particularly well in this film because it is a sorority house. There's really no reason for them to need to go into the attic. True. Because really the only person who has any need to be up there would be Miss Mac. And she even says in this movie, she's like, oh, I need to clean up here one of these days. We see that she is not, <laughs> she does the bare minimum of what needs to be done, her concern. She's, now this is not to say she's not a bad, or that she is a bad house mother, because she's not. She obviously very much cares for her girls, mm -hmm. but as past that, she does the bare minimum to allow this house to thrive. <laughs> yeah, so. and she still got that this is my job mentality. Mm -hmm. She takes she takes that extra step at her job for sure yeah. in regards to the girls. The but social she's definitely aspect. on the clock. <laughs> yes, she's clocking in, but she enjoys the social aspect, you can tell. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but yeah, it works because there is no reason for any of them to check the attic, be up in there. It's the perfect place for Billy to 
reside and go completely unnoticed. Not only that, but to have bodies up there that go completely unnoticed because Mm -hmm. these girls aren't going to be checking for it like that. Um, So it works. I feel like that as a set piece works particularly well in this type of a story. Yeah. Even Billy's introduction as just like our POV person breaking in, uh, even that whole sequence is pretty frightening. And I think it gets more frightening later on mm-hmm. when you get different little nuggets of information where I think like there's a point where one of the characters talks, it, it might be Jess, talks about how like, yeah, did you know that we barely keep any of the doors and windows locked? Yeah. Like just like those faint mentions of things in regards to the stuff that happened in the past. I just think it, it's a really good setup and the POV works for this very unnerving, everyone's being watched feeling. Yeah. And I love how just like ever present Billy feels, even though for a majority of the movie, he's really in and out. Like the death and the kill scenes are only really a small portion of the OG Black Christmas, which is very interesting because mm-hmm. as something that has been like the blueprint again for a lot of other slashers or uh, within the same realm. It's just so curious that there's not a lot of killing. No, I would say, honestly, this is more of a psychological horror. It's more of the creepiness and the scary factor, which I will say this movie to me is very scary. But I think most of that relies on the voyeuristic aspect of this film. We as the audience know from the get-go that there is somebody there who always poses a risk, poses a threat, but it's more so the idea of that that is the baseline scary of this movie. The kills Mm -hmm. are few and far in between. They're there, and when they do happen, they're very effective. Yeah. But I think that they are so effective because a lot of that time is just spent wondering what Billy is doing. Mm-hmm. Like, what is he spending his time doing? He plays with them a lot, and it seems like more of his satisfaction comes from that. But you can also tell that he's clearly unhinged um, and just has these bursts of emotion that really send him into this killer rage and instinct. And so it's more so the feeling that that can happen at any time that feels scary. Mm -hmm. But a lot of this movie is just dealing with the crime or the disappearances that have already been committed. A lot of this movie is dealing with Claire and the fact that she is missing for this whole movie. Now we know she's dead, um, which is iconic. Her whole death is like iconic her with the bag over her head just sitting in the window Mm -hmm. it really spurs the entire or a lot of the action events that happen in this movie because majority of this movie really is just kind of spent trying to figure out what happened to claire Claire. (laughs) Yeah. yeah and billy is just a through line of that he is kind of there and he is ever present as this killer but nobody knows that except for Mm -hmm. us because when anybody finds figures that out they die immediately (laughs) so it's like he's not even on anybody's radar nobody really is checking for billy he's not even a factor in this it's all of these other outside forces that are important to this movie whether that be claire or peter and um jess's relationship Mm -hmm. or 
the police and their investigation. That's what's really leading this movie. And then Billy is just there to kind of spur things along for these characters. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I also think that a lot of the effectiveness of the deaths comes with the fact that there's so few of them. Yeah. um, And that there's just so much time with these characters and like all of the characters, especially the sorority sisters and the, and the house mother, all of them have such distinct personalities and we get to spend so much time with them that I think every time we lose one of them, Mm -hmm. it's a little bit more effective because you have that connection established so it's like you're really losing a, a friend that you've made over the past X amount of minutes. And I think that really helps with the scare factor of this one, despite it. Um, all, like I, the subject matter of it is scary, but I feel like a majority of the movie itself isn't, if that makes any sense, where it's like yeah. the scary the scary parts are the things unsaid, not the stuff necessarily that we see. But I think it works very, very well. The whole notion that Claire gets taken out so early and it sucks because she does seem like a sweetheart. But then like mm-hmm. the fact that she gets taken out and we have to cut back to her in that attic so many times, every time we do, it breaks my heart. Cause it's just like, yeah. she's right there. She's she is right there. right there. And we're spending the entirety of this movie trying to figure out where she is. Mm-hmm. Especially because there's so many people who are looking for her and it's like you cut from that to her dad and her boyfriend like combing the the park trying to find her and you know they never will mm-hmm. and even in the end it's not a vindication for them they don't really know it's like even in the end um her boyfriend i think his name is chris even in the end chris makes a comment where he's like i'm sure claire is fine to her dad because they don't know they are really basing this off of the notion that she's missing, so there's a possibility that she's still alive. Mm -hmm. But then you also have these great moments of the girls really feeling and knowing that something terrible has happened to her and like not really being, not really wanting to admit that because it's a scary idea. But that lack of confirmation, that's what's so scary about it. Yeah, and Miss Mac, shoot, they think Miss Mac is with her sister having a grand old, <laughs> a grand old Christmas, and she's swinging by a meat hook in the attic. <laughs> oh, you hate to see that, you truly but do. I do agree with you. Um, these characters, I think, are phenomenal. I think, especially for a movie like this, where the characters are so important, um, and the killer is more of taking a back seat to the characters rather than the other way around. You have to have some kick-ass ones. Mm-hmm. And I just think that these characters are um, are awesome. It's They're written in such a way where any single one of them could have been the final girl, and I would have said, yeah, that makes sense. Because you get to know every single one of them on an individual level. Mm-hmm. None of these characters are just there as Jess's friend. Each one has their own personality. They have their own feelings you can you learn so much about them in such a small amount of time especially for an ensemble cast where they're splitting the time between so many different people good to learn a lot about these characters and i love that none of the women ever feel like despite the fact that this movie is all about a man leering and watching them this movie never feels we as the audience never feel like that they never feel like they're just there to be 
it's that like this is not a sexual gaze movie Mm -hmm. these women are never meant to be just like set pieces they are the backbone of this film and they are their relationships to each other are so important and i love that like i i just think that they even though we hop into this movie with majority of them leaving like we only really end up with um four four of them who we like spend the most of the time with right even though that's the case when we hop into this movie i truly believe that every single one of these girls has a prior relationship that i am just now like being involved in this doesn't feel like the start of their friendship it feels like i'm just hopping into a friendship that has already been developed i love that i think that they're especially successful with barb as a character I agree. Um, I really like Barb. I think that Barb so easily could have just been that belligerent, drunk, rich girl. But from the very moment that we meet her, the way that they did this was very well done. It's not an exposition dump. We have a small conversation with her on the phone with her mom. Mm-hmm. And you get immediately get the idea that Barb does come from money, but she does not have a loving family. She does not have people who who care about her. Her mom doesn't even want to spend the holidays with her, despite that being the plan. So she has to change the plan to just go skiing. And like you can tell that the girls feel bad for her, and they so some of them agree to go with her. But I I just feel like by giving her this underlying reason that you can tell that she leans on drinking to kind of deal with some of this these emotional issues that she's having and so you understand why sometimes she takes it too far i also think what they do with her and claire is awesome because you can tell that they're so different as people but i think you can also tell that barb's kind of jealous because claire obviously comes from a very loving family that want her to be home for the holidays i mean her dad is driving all the way to the college to pick her up and i love that moment where barb feels obviously feels guilty for the fight that her and Clara got into and accuses everybody else of thinking that it's her fault when that's Mm -hmm. just her like projecting yeah it's like her fears are kind of coming out that she really feels bad about their last interaction and I just feel like they could have Barb easily out of all the characters could have been that one character that you were like okay just take her out but Mm -hmm. she's not like you still care you care about her just as much as you care about any of the other girls oh absolutely and now we have like the barb archetype i think in all three of these but i do think the original barb was the best um version of the archetype because just like you said there were so many layers to that character and another thing that i liked about all of them especially barb and jess just how unapologetically themselves they were like they were they clearly had character traits and personalities and things about themselves at the beginning of the movie and those things hold true all the way through i think like despite barb's drinking she's a strong personality who is not afraid to uh, say what she thinks and what she feels mm-hmm. and do the things that she wants and that stays true for the entirety of the movie jess is a character that even though she's gentler she has a very strong mind she has very specific values especially when we get into the whole back and forth between Peter and like her pregnancy and wanting an abortion and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. She knows exactly where she stands on that. Yeah. And she does not move from it. Like she, 
she knows what she wants and she sticks by that. And I love that for the characters. I love that each one of them has their cores and their values. And they're like, this is me. This is what Mm -hmm. I'm about. And they're just in this really shitty circumstance with this person, you know, shacking up in their attic. However, the characters themselves feel very grounded and fleshed out. Yeah, I agree. I love that. This movie too has for a lot of people become like a feminist movie. It it it's a huge movie that showcases women in a fantastic way despite it being a horror movie where women get killed off. It and I think that it's because of that all of these the women that we see in this movie are themselves. They are they stick to what they believe in no matter who or what is conflicting with them. They they know that they deserve, you know, what they deserve and they're willing to fight for that. And mm-hmm. I and they all have their own personalities and they don't all fit into a very specific archetype that I think a lot of people write women as. Each of them are so different, but they all fit together because that's the way that friendships work. <laughs> right. You know, like <laughs> everybody can be different and hold true to their values and believe in their things and and still be sisters because i would i would even say like phil is very different from barb very different Mm -hmm. from jess and she still fits in with them and you believe their friendship and she's still herself and i like that they're also not afraid to stand up to each other like when barb is going too far i love that phil is like hey like you're out of line. Like I love yeah. you, but you need to chill. <laughs> like you're doing too much. <laughs> and also too, yeah, with the abortion thing, no matter how much Peter tries to intimidate Jess, she knows what she wants to do and she's going to stick to that. And mm-hmm. I think especially for a movie that came out the year after Roe v. Wade was, you know, passed, it's it's wild that that was a a plot line that is so inherent to Jess's character and that Mm -hmm. she is sticking to her guns the way that she sticks to them. I think that's so important. And it's funny because that wasn't even ever the intention of that plot line. That was only written in just to give Jess and Peter like a battle and something for them to do in between all of the other stuff. But it works so well for Jess's character because I feel like it's, particularly for her as the final girl in this sort of movie it's it's so important and so nice to see this character that has full ownership of their body and their autonomy and who is going to do whatever they want with it because that is their right and i think especially coming from i think especially as an early example of a a final girl it's so nice to see that thrown into the mix of what we come to see of this more polished virgin, I make no mistakes character, where Jess is someone who is at such a pivotal time in her life and she is making the best decision for herself. And in a movie where people don't always have control over them themselves and their bodies, it's really, really nice to see a character like this. Yeah. I think that is really great and just uh, fantastic writing on the part of the characters. Um, and although all three of these movies definitely put a highlight on the ladies 
and don't want to spend too much time on the guys, there is one particular bucket of shit that we have <laughs> to talk about for a little bit. And Peter. that's our boy Peter. <laughs> Peter. Uh, your friendly neighborhood misogynistic asshole, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Pete. Good old uh, Peter. This man, okay. This man is nuts. And it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy because Jess says, you know, oh, he used to be so different. He used to be so sweet. Um, and everybody is kind of like gives a side eye. Cause even Phil, I think at one point says, now what? She's like, I don't really like Peter, but I don't think he's a murderer. I just don't, I'm not fond of him. Um, but I definitely, he definitely feels like the type of guy who probably was very much like wine and dining and like sweeping Jess off of her feet. And I'm an artist, like I'm a struggling <laughs> artist. And now that things aren't going the way that he wants them to go, those cracks uh, are showing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Fully crumbling at this point. My, <laughs> my man's is literally a walking red flag. And yeah. like it is, I do think it was smart to have him in as a red herring. Um, I, I feel like there's a bit of a split on that. Some I think some people enjoy the Peter the Peter Red Herring, some people don't. I think mm -hmm. that's fine. But he serves as such a like this guy should be the killer, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Just based on everything you see about him. And the way that it's written is really well done too because you get these little hints that things are wrong with Peter. Yeah. But the longer you spend in this movie, you realize how wrong these things are with Peter and just how off his gourd he actually is. Um, I think it's very smart to introduce the abortion conflict early on so that we just know that he's a piece of shit. Yeah. But then like going through and seeing the little nuances of Peter, you really learn a lot about this guy. Um, like, for instance, he can't play piano for shit. <laughs> I mean, it probably didn't help that he was sweating buckets his fingers were probably <laughs> slipping off of the piano yeah he has a recital that is probably very important for his career and he has been practicing for three days he says and then he gets mad because Jess drops this huge bombshell of, hey, I'm pregnant. By the way, I'm not going to keep the baby. And now he's all mad because he's like, this is going to ruin my recital. It's like, OK, dude, you were rehearsing for 72 hours and this <laughs> is the thing that fucked you up. It's like, how would you be a professional piano player? You get one thing that you hear one thing you don't like. And all of a sudden you're like. You're like, whoa, my fingers. <laughs> I can't play. Yeah, I've lost it. <laughs> the music, <laughs> it's gone. It's like, bro, come on now. Probably wasn't nah, in the cards. And then he quits. And then he's like, oh, I don't want to play the piano anymore. It's like, yeah, I'm done. Uh, I think I'm going to actually uh, take up surfing. I think that's my true calling. Uh, actually, is this, uh, I think I'm actually just going to fucking marry you, by the way. <laughs> oh, did you want me to ask? Nah, nah, nah. You're nah, married. Nah, nah. We just gonna get married. Like, We're gonna that's, get married. That's the plan. And once uh, again, Jess sticks to her gun. She's like, "Bro, I can't marry you. Are you crazy? <laughs> like, <laughs> I got shit I want to do." But Peter does, I think, work very, very well for me as a red herring. I think even if you know that it's not Peter, because I, I don't think, I feel like it's 
pretty obvious that this is just some random guy because he's literally been living in their attic um, the whole time yeah. <laughs> yeah and it's like okay why would Peter need to live up in the attic um despite for me never even the first time I saw this never thinking that it was Peter I do think that he is very successful as being a version of this antagonistic very overbearing guy who is maybe not the problem at hand, but is definitely adding to the problem and is yeah. someone that is just as dangerous in different ways. Um, mm -hmm. And so now you have this character of Jess who, honestly, if Peter wasn't in the scenario, like in the situation, probably could give more of a focus to this creepy thing that's happening. But mm -hmm. it's like he's taking all of her fucking attention. And it's like all of these horrible things are happening around him. And he still thinks he's the most important thing in her life. She's like, yeah, Claire's missing. And he's like, bitch, Claire's fine. It's like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> like, yeah. So I I also think that it works really, really well for the ending. Mm -hmm. First of all, the ending is awesome. Oh, um, so good. Great ending. The whole the call is coming from inside the house is is uh, like a great reveal um, for, I mean, we already knew that, but for Jess, it's a great moment for, of, of seeing her realize that her whole dealing with the killer, I think is really realistic because she's not really, <laughs> she's not really prepared to fight back. So she does the only thing that she knows that she, but she knows the house. Well, she knows mm -hmm. that she can hide. Um, and also, Peter, if you didn't want to be fucking creepy, why are you skulking around her basement windows? <laughs> right. What is that about? The and I, but that's what I like about that specific red herring is because it's even established in the plot that like it can't be Peter. Like he mm -hmm. wasn't there. Like the way that things lined up, it just literally can't be him. Yeah. But when his face pops up in that <laughs> yeah. in that basement window, I'm still thinking to myself. Kill him. Yeah, but is he involved? Though? <laughs> I'm just thinking, you gotta kill him because even if, <laughs> even if he's not the killer, he is doing too much. Like truly doing too. Either much. Either put him behind bars or kill him, and she does. <laughs> she kills him, and of course, it wasn't him. Um, and that is something that nobody knows by the time this movie ends. Everybody yeah, is so which is incredible. Certain. Yeah, such a good plot point. So great. Everybody is so certain that. She's done it. She's got it. Um, she's got the guy that we thought it was, and she didn't, and he's still there. And I think that that's such a great ending. It ends ambiguously. You can kind of, you know, fit whatever ending you would, or whatever end for Jess, I guess you would like to believe. But yeah, it's an, it's an awesome ending. It's so creepy all the way through, even with the phone still ringing. Oh, yeah. Over the credits, because it's just like, this is not over. And no. this guy doesn't give a fuck. He just had <laughs> the whole police squad in the house, and he doesn't care. No. It's such an effective ending. Like, it's so bleak. It's so grim. Um, I talk a lot about how I love endings that just make you feel empty inside. And mm -hmm. I do think that this one <laughs> is a prime example of that, because it's just like, the things happened, but our our main people didn't win, you know? Right. Like, Jess didn't win at the end. She survived for now, um, and even that's maybe questionable, depending on how you see the ending. But, mm -hmm. like, 
all of her friends are dead. Yeah. Her shitty boyfriend is now dead as well, which maybe isn't the, the biggest loss. But just in general, like, there's no real resolution to things. It's no. like we have we have this fake resolution that works for the people who were investigating things. They're like, all right, this is enough of a resolution for us. But for the audience and for the people really directly involved, there is no resolution. She's still in the house with the killer. Claire's still upstairs with the yeah. bag on her head. Miss Mac is still swinging from the rafters. Mm-hmm. Like, all of these things are still true. And the movie doesn't, like, pat you on the back and say, okay, everything's okay now. It's just, this is what happened. And yeah. that level of groundedness, I really enjoy that. Yeah, and it's like, even if, because even if the police come back and they'll search the house, I'm sure they will, say they find Billy and they say, oh, fuck, this was the guy. Yeah, it's like, if Claire's still alive for that, that still sucks. So she killed her <laughs> boyfriend mm-hmm. for no reason. Her friends are all, not all of her friends, but most <laughs> most of her close friends are dead. And she never even really got a chance, like, especially for Phil and Bar- um, Barb, she didn't get a chance to mourn them because by the time she saw them, she was on the run. And mm-hmm. so it's like, yeah, it's still such a shitty ending for her. Her life's never going to be the same. No. And it's just like, it's it yeah it's a great great ending um doesn't doesn't feel good but for some reason feels so good i think though because it's just so successfully done from beginning to end that you're like damn that felt good (laughs) damn i like that (laughs) yeah Yeah. um also last note john saxon is once again playing a police officer in this movie um before nightmare on elm street he is the lieutenant um, and I really like him in this movie. I think he is very charming, but also like has authority. Um, I like that he believes them. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a good foil for me to Nash, who is a little bit more dismissive of them. The I will say to the um, the police procedural parts of this movie. Also, some of them are a bit padded. I'm not going to mm-hmm. lie. And that's like my biggest con with the OG one is like, although it's great beginning to end, there are some parts that feel longer than others. Yeah. Um, But I feel like as far as the like police aspect of this particular one goes, it worked, you know, like a lot of times when we were spending it just with the officers, it was entertaining enough. Um, The back and forth with Nash, although he's a frustrating character, he did lead to some fun moments as well. And I do like this idea that we do get back in some of these other ones where the girls just, despite having this information far in advance, still can't fully get the help of any sort of authority or police figure Mm -hmm. to like help save them. I think that's an important part of all of these Mm -hmm. is just like that notion where it's like, even if you know you're in danger. There still ain't shit you can yeah. do because you can't convince people that you're in danger. Right. Well, and it's interesting in this one that I think they maybe play a little bit more into in the 2019 one is in this one, they aren't believed when it's just kind of uh, the two girls and the dad and they go and they kind of say what they're fearful of. They're immediately dismissed as it's like, oh, well, she's probably off with her boyfriend. And it's like a, no- a nothing thing for them. And then mm-hmm. as soon as her boyfriend comes in there, kind of like causing a little bit of a ruckus, then everybody listens and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe this is more serious. But that's this dismissiveness of like, oh, I think that they say that again about somebody else where they 
assume, oh, it's even with the little girl who's like missing. And mm-hmm. he's like, well, maybe she went to her friend's house or something. It's like, bro, she's 13. It's so fucking cold outside. Like, <laughs> it's <Yeah>. nighttime. <laughs> like, even if she did go to her, I mean, that happens a lot. A lot of times it's like, oh, you got to wait 24 hours. But even for Claire, I mean, it had been a it's been while. over a day. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, but they were immediately dismissive because they just assumed that she had ran off with some guy. And they said that they think that that happens a lot with women. And then they don't take them seriously until her boyfriend comes. And then they're like, okay, yeah, we'll look into it. Yeah, which is, that's terrifying because that is pulled straight out of real life. That happened. Yeah. There are several cases of that happening to a slew of unfortunate women. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's just one of those things where, like, you you hear what the police are saying because maybe that's something that they deal with. But it's like, yo, these people are coming to you for help yeah like they need you right now and like yeah it may be annoying to have to deal with this if it is a false alarm but if it's not these women are in danger like you need to go do something because don't they say the first 48 hours are so important a missing persons case aren't the first 48 hours like the most lucrative hours that if you were going to get a lead you're gonna get it so i'm like so cut 24 from that 24 (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what are we doing here? Where's the math? It just doesn't make sense. Also, I'm like, you, y'all live in a small town. It doesn't seem like any of you guys are doing anything else. That one guy who laughs all the time, I was like, he was at his desk every fucking day. <laughs> he needed something he to do. He didn't have shit to do. So yeah, send him out on the streets. Um, but yeah, the police aspect of this movie is something that does not get carried over at all mm-hmm. <laughs> into 2006. As a matter of fact, um, Barely anything, anything gets carried gets over carried into over. 2006. <laughs> Black Xmas, if you will. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which I will say from the get was not a big of a fan as 2006. <laughs> yeah. um, did a lot of things that I think were a step backwards. Yeah. Um, but you know, tried to go some places with it. It's <laughs> this. <laughs> This Billy backstory, though, man. Okay, yeah. Let's let's get into the (laughs) Billy backstory. I just want to throw this out here. 2006 is a so bad it's good for me. Oh, okay. But I also have some blinders on because I saw this movie like around the time that it came out. I've been watching this movie like since 2006, 2007. So maybe I have some of those like rose rose tinted glasses on. Mm-hmm. But it is so bad it's good. For okay, me. that's 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 all right. <laughs> we'll we'll talk through it and I will try and not be judgmental. <laughs> um but yeah, like just starting with the with the whole Billy backstory thing, because that's that's a huge difference between the OG and this one, is that this one decides we're gonna tell you exactly who Billy is, mm-hmm. what happened, and why he is where he is. And I think overall, interesting choice, um, a fun thing to go for. But one of the best things about Billy and the OG for me was the fact that we just had knew nothing about him. Yeah. It was just some random crazy dude found his way into that house and started causing a ruckus. Like that's that's all we got from Billy. And I found that very effective. This one, there's just too much for me. I yeah. to to simplify it. Like there there's too much information, there's too much story. Um I I just feel like it becomes less of a tale about these sorority girls and it becomes Billy's story yeah. now, which I didn't personally love. Yeah, it's like 
Black Christmas or when I ate my first eyeball is could have been this, <laughs> <laughs> how I came to eat my first eyeball could have been the alternative um, title for this. It is, it is, it's a lot of Billy. It's kind of fun in a like weird, it, it could have been fun in a funny kind of way it, to have mm. this Billy backstory, but it gets so gross. It's not, it's Billy's born and I guess, first of all, I, the mom doesn't seem like she ever liked the dad. So I don't know even what that situation was. How, how we got here. But so they finally have a baby and the baby has jaundice and I guess the mom's mad about that. The dad is a, doing the best he can. I will say he did allow her to break glass over the baby and just kind of sat there and watched. And just sat there and took it? <laughs> and yeah. I was like, sir... That I don't want to say that was your moment to react, but that definitely felt like the moment, right? <laughs> I feel like we draw the line at glass on the baby. Um, but yeah, he had jaundice and then his mom and her new boyfriend killed the dad. It's like Which, if you don't want to turn, what a leap. Makes no fucking sense because it's like if you don't want to be with the dad, then just be like, let's get a divorce. Take the kid because I don't fuck with him. Yeah. Wouldn't that have solved all of your problems? So, so she, they kill the dad. Billy sees this. He runs up to the attic. They lock him in the attic. And then, but wait, there's incest because the mom <laughs> sleeps with Billy, gets pregnant and has Agnes, who she's very happy with. I guess it was just Billy that she was like, I don't like this. Um, yeah. She has Agnes. They live a very sad life. And then Billy finally just snaps and comes down. Uh, rips Agnes's eyeball out, kills the dad or the new dad, and then makes meat cookies out of the mom. Yeah, which I will say was pretty gangster. I, that's I something I ain't seen before. Uh, yeah. Christmas cookies made with back meat. That's that's a new one. I did like that, but I didn't like the close up on his mouth eating the cookie. It's just <laughs> there was a lot of close ups of his mouth. And you're right. The thing that's successful about the first Billy is. I think what it works for anybody who watches it because you get so little of him. You can kind of insert any creepy person that you've met in real life who's maybe given you warning or like maybe made alarm bells go off in your head. Mm -hmm. You can kind of insert that person as Billy. It's kind of like YA, like your or what is or YN when it's like your name and oh, fanfic. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Billy is in the first one. And it's kind of cool to say, ooh, this is what I imagine him being like. But then you get this one where everything is just like laid out so perfectly for you. And they still try to do a mystery of like, oh well, if Billy just escaped, then who has been doing the killing over here? Yeah. And it's like, I really don't care. Cause <laughs> Like, I don't know. Like, you I just don't told really me care. Billy slept with his mom and then ate her back. Like, I I have other yeah. things I'm worried about other than these mysteries right now. This is the least of my concerns <laughs> is who this person is at the house. Um, And then we also get the boyfriend, Red Herring again, done very worse. unsuccessfully in this one. <laughs> Way worse. Be because this guy, what even is his name? So... Um, Mr. Y'all bitches, apparently. Yeah, rich bitches come here. Stan, I live here. I've lived here my whole life. <laughs> okay. We go to college here. <laughs> like, what do you want us to do? Um, so Kyle. Kyle. So our main lead in this one is Kelly. And she 
has this boyfriend, Kyle, who is meant to be our red herring in this one. And he's just mad. It's like he in in the case of Peter, it's kind of interesting because you see a lot of ebbs and flows with him. It's like he'll he's he feels much more like a loose cannon. And so it doesn't seem crazy to think, oh, God, like, is he going to do something or or is what is going on here? Mm-hmm. This guy seems fine. He's fine. Right. Yeah. When we first meet him and then um, the next time we see him, he's just shady. He's shady the rest of the movie for really no reason. Yeah. It's like they knew they were like, oh, fuck, we got to make him a possibility uh, now he's now he's upset. Now he's mad, yeah, and then he was for no reason. Well, they kind of like try and play it off that like the whole sex tape getting revealed thing like kind of altered his character, but I feel like not really, dude. Like no, <laughs> like you you no. were still kind of shitty before you got found out, and after right. you got found out, you just got shittier. So like right. That that so that part didn't deal? play for me, <laughs> right? <laughs> like it just didn't play in the same way that Peter did because, like, for me, I never thought it was Kyle. Like, there was no period of time yeah. where I was like, "Oh yeah, it could be Kyle." Like, no, it clearly is not Kyle. But we just have this extra dude character in here who's just kind of a piece of shit for the most part, mm-hmm. and then um, ends up dying. So it's just like, right? It, it didn't do. It didn't hit the same way that the Peter thing hit, even though I didn't like Peter. Um, I will say the girls did do him dirty by having him come back into the, into the house, not leave, but then have him go first into the attic. That was kind of fucked up. Well, but he, he's the one who pushed them out of the way and oh. went, he, he, like, he did that thing where he was like, no, me first. He, oh, he yeah. cause, cause Kelly was going to go up and then he put his arm in front of her. That's but true. That's also, true. That's true. He's so nonchalant when he comes back in. He does not care at all that people are dead. It's True. he had at least in the first one, Peter didn't know what was going on when he came in. So you understand why he's being weird. It cause he cause he's confused on why she's in the basement. And mm-hmm. to her, it feels like he's being creepy, but really he probably was just like, Why are you hiding down here in the dark? Kyle comes back and it's almost like he doesn't know that there are dead people, but then he reveals that he does know that there are dead people in the house and he does not care at all <laughs> it does not phase this man not a lick he says we should probably leave huh mm-hmm. what <laughs> what I, who i don't get it i do not get this man could have been completely written out of the the movie and i think it would have been better for it probably but he <laughs> Like, I mean, he's there to kind of, like, exposition dump about Billy Ray. And, like, yeah. this version does go a little bit more Halloween, in a sense, because yeah. now it's like we're in Billy's house, and it's Christmas time, so Billy's just trying to make it back home for Christmas. Right. Like, this whole notion that it's, like, he's drawn to this place, um, which, again, is a choice made, but I think was a little bit less effective for me. Because there's just something far more terrifying about some random stranger just getting into your house mm-hmm. and then staying there than someone who's got a very well-known history tied to this house returning to this house later on. I right. think that feels a little bit more scripted, 
whereas the other one feels like this could in some really shitty reality actually happen. Right. Yeah, this one definitely feels a little bit more. It was following the formula of movies that had gone that had come out previously, whereas mm-hmm. the first one was just kind of doing its own thing. This one is weird. So this one interestingly it takes some inspiration from the first one with like the way that some of the camera shots are um because they do do some 70s shots where there's someone in the foreground and then another person in the background it like switches the focus kind of a thing the carry Mm -hmm. shot it does that sometimes which is kind of fun Uh, the kills in this are fun i think because they're so over the top that the kills allow to be more gory and they are they're allowed to be a little bit more christmas oriented which is always fun i love a themed kill so that aspect of it is is cool and honestly i actually don't dislike all of the characters i think mel is probably my favorite character i like what she like her role in this she's kind of the caretaker of the friends she seems to really care about everybody so i enjoy her uh miss mac is you know a lot of fun it's just nice to see um andrea martin here again and then also too it seems like she's having a good time so i enjoy her and i also like lee it's weird because Lee comes out of nowhere and all of a sudden straight up just like who are you all of a sudden is a huge character she becomes basically the second final girl before she gets unceremoniously killed in the very end (laughs) but I actually kind of like her I think I'm glad that they introduced someone else that could team up with Kelly because Kelly to me is kind of weak as a final girl goes, I think especially mm-hmm. in comparison to Jess, she just doesn't really have anything. She's just nothing yeah. about her that's interesting. She's just kind of there. Um, well, it almost it almost felt like this one was really trying to hide the final girl for me. And, like, I think in some cases that does work. Because, like, genuinely for me, it took me a while to figure out, like, who was going to be the final girl. Um because Kelly, best believe, I, I, it did not click for me that she was going to be the one. Uh, but the the issue here is, like, it was nice for the mystery to not know who the final girl was. But because our final girl was arguably one of the less interesting of the bunch, mm-hmm. it made it for, like, a disappointing conclusion, honestly. Like, I was okay that she survived. Like, I don't wish the death upon her. But I wasn't... I didn't feel the same. I, it didn't feel the same as like when Jess survived. Like there just felt like something was missing. Um, yeah. I can't really put my finger on what, but it just, it was, it was lacking for me. You just, it's just like, oh, okay. Well, yeah. and I think, <laughs> I think too, because you really, they really upped the, final battle in this one because we definitively get to see billy and his daughter slash sister agnes die mm-hmm. we we div- definitely know they're dead by the end of this so the confrontation climax is definitely much more involved in this one mm-hmm. but it's weird because i think in both instances kelly is not doing anything 
In our first confrontation, she falls in the wall. And the only reason she gets out is because Lee helps mm-hmm. her get out. So she gets lucky. And then in the second instance... She was smart with the defibrillator. She was smart with the defibrillator. But then we get Billy who comes out right after. Mm-hmm. It's not that she's not smart. And it's not that she's not trying. It just feels a little lackluster because she's in a hospital like running into people and not asking anybody for help yeah nor is anyone reacting to this (laughs) woman clearly being chased through the hospital right and then she just kind of lets him fall over a rail it's like it's like he just doesn't see it and she just steps (laughs) out of the way i will say i like the ending shot of him being on the tree and the lights uh is really cool because it's like you can see his shadow on the wall behind her with the lights Mm -hmm. that ending shot is is super cool it's it's funny because i feel like i always complain about when hospitals are super empty in horror movies um but then we have too many people in this hospital because yeah there's people just in the hallway she's like running into them pushing them out of the way knocking them over um and not being like help me (laughs) help me this guy's trying to kill me she's just like pushing them out of the way and they all just people are just kind of standing there watching her get chased I think towards the end, you can sort sort of piece together that there are multiple killers just because it's like this person, despite how much this man can scurry through the walls like an insect, there's no way he can get from here to there that quickly. So, like, there has to be multiple people in this. Right. But right. because we spend so much time setting up Agnes, it becomes very clear once you get down to the reveal that it's going to be Agnes. like. Who else would it be? The mom? She came back from the grave? <laughs> like, I think just everything for this one was too on the nose for me. And it's yeah. mostly because the original exists. And, like, I try not to pull that card too much for too many, like, remakes or reboots or whatnot. But the subtlety of the original Black Christmas worked very well for me. Mm-hmm. So to go on the completely opposite side and just lay everything out for you to see, it didn't work for me, you know? <laughs> it wasn't clicking. <laughs> no, and then that's fair. And like I said, I think if you go into this movie just for, like, silly, stupid fun for mm-hmm. a holiday movie, you'll enjoy this much more than if you go into this thinking of it as a Black Christmas yeah, remake. I, I think if I'd never seen, like, if I didn't watch the OG and just, like, watch this one first as just, like you said, a, oh, it's Christmas time, let me throw on, like, a, hor- a Christmas horror I would have enjoyed it more, but from yeah. like an ad- analytical standpoint, comparing it to the original, I was like, mm, I don't know. Yeah, because it's yeah, it's it's very silly. It it goes in the total opposite direction. I know the uh, director of this was not super happy with the final cut of everything because the um, studio was really pushing for more gore, more over the top moments. Mm-hmm. So some of those more ridiculous moments really stemmed from that. But I will say, like I said, the, the kills to me are good. And I honestly don't dislike the girls in this movie. Partly that's because they did a great job of choosing every it girl of the, <laughs> the mid 2000s is in this movie. So I automatically was down because I like all of the actresses that are in this film. Right. So I was just like on board for that. They did a good casting job. But um, as a whole, it's just pretty it's it's pretty ridiculous, um, but not the worst way to pass an hour and a half. <laughs> Fair, definitely fair. And now I think when it comes to 2019, as far Mm -hmm. as I can see, 
there's a lot of hate for this movie. Like, yeah, there, there, there are a lot of people talking shit. But I'd like to have the conversation as to why. Not that I think that this is a fantastic movie by any means, but I do think it's interesting and it plays on some things from the OG one um, in an intriguing way for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm kind of interested to see how you felt about the changes because you're a little bit more, or sorry, this is the one that you hadn't seen, yes. right? Right. Okay. This is the one I hadn't seen. This is also the one I started with on this okay. watch through because it was the only one I hadn't seen. Um, first off, I will say, in a way where the 2006 version, when they released the trailer for this, there were certain scenes that were in the trailer that were never in the movie. They filmed scenes specifically for the trailer to like not give too much away. Mm-hmm. 2019 did the opposite. They gave the whole plot away I feel like in the trailer for this movie. I remember seeing the trailer and thinking that was a lot. They showed us a lot. And uh-huh. I was right. They did show us a lot because now that I finally got to watch it, I was like, okay, they did a little bit too much okay. in the actual trailer. This one for me is not bad. I actually didn't dislike it as much as I thought I would just from hearing what people had said. However... I think the execution was a huge miss for me. Mm. I think where they they started with an interesting idea and an interesting story and then did not successfully hit any of the things that they marketed that they would hit. Um, and that is where this movie fails for me is I think that there are a lot of missed opportunities And I think that there are a lot of moments that almost feel counterintuitive to me Uh from what they were trying to achieve. Okay. Uh, Talk me through that a little bit because I didn't watch the trailer for this one. Um, Mm. But like, in what way do you think like things were marketed incorrectly? I only say that because this whole marketing was banking on this is a feminist film. This is like for women, about women created by women and that is kind of what we are like uh touting this as right this is what we're displaying this movie as and which is a bold statement to make when you're already dealing with a movie that started as that kind of a movie like (laughs) i didn't understand it would be one thing if you were like oh this is like you know we're redoing this super ridiculous um sexist film and we're switching all the roles on their head you know it would be one thing if you were taking it from a movie where people were like yeah that movie was really bad because of this Mm -hmm. um but you're not like it's like it's not like it was it was sorority row when you're trying to like <laughs> switch things up it's not that you you already had a movie that was like that so i guess you're just saying that you're gonna like do more of that which is fine but i'm not even gonna lie to you this movie actually started off strong for me i like the mm-hmm. first kill um with jessica i think it is uh the snow angel kill yeah or Lindsay, Lindsay. i'm sorry Lindsay. so many it names. Was, <laughs> <laughs> there were so many names uh i like that kill too the the snow angel was cheesy to me but the imagery of it was dope yeah it it's a it's a it's a cool first kill i think it's really successful um and so this movie started and i was like okay yeah that's cool 
Granted, I did see that death scene in the trailer, but I was like, you know what? Still <laughs> seeing the whole thing play out. That's that was cool. Mm-hmm. And then we get to our sorority, and I honestly, with that diva cup line, I paused the movie because I was like, did a man write this? I had to check. <laughs> I was like, no fucking way. I was like, was this written by a man? And it's not. It's written by a woman. And also the director, who is also a woman, collaborated on the screenplay. Mm -hmm. And so after that, I thought, what the fuck? But I was (laughs) still down, right? Imogen Poots is awesome in this movie. I think that she is one of the best parts of this movie. I think Riley is one of the best parts of this movie. I will also say some of the other sorority sisters. I think Marty is a really great character. I actually like what they did with her. I like what they did with her and her boyfriend. Um, Landon was kind of a good character. I kind of liked Landon. I kind of liked what they did with him at times, but I feel like they lost their way with him as the movie went along. It, they, they, really, they really did. He became a non-secular character towards the end, where yeah. it's like, you you meant nothing in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> they didn't give a fuck about you. <laughs> yeah. The, he really loses his way along this. Um, but to have a movie that is to me to have a movie that is showing women in a in a really great light mm-hmm. you better have some fucking good women characters and once again we have a group of characters who don't feel like they mean anything outside of riley i i, I really don't feel anything for these these girls I, I the true. people that I named Riley and Marty, those are the only people that I felt something for. Those are mm-hmm. the only people that I cared when they died. Everybody else just feels like they're there because it's a sorority, because they have to be there. I didn't feel sisterhood from any of them. I I felt like my the the scene that I felt the most like that was the kitchen scene where they're like discussing like what are your three favorite animals. Mm-hmm. That scene to me was the most successful. And me feeling like this, the strengths of these characters or and me being able to be like, oh, these characters are like having a conversation where I actually feel like they this this feels to me like a conversation that they would have. Yeah. Like these characters have spoken before the movie yes, started. They have relationships. <laughs> <to each other. laughs> and also to. The conversations that they have in this movie, I think, are also not as interesting or they don't feel as connected to each other because despite them supposed to be having this sisterly bond and these prior relationships feels like the only conversations they really have are all intrinsically tied to the male characters within this film so everything they discuss is impacted by influenced by a result of a conversation or an incident they've had with a man within this film and so they don't feel like they ever have just familiar conversations because everything always ties back to the men, which for this movie feels like the opposite of what it should be. And I I agree with that too, because for me, unfortunately, a lot of this group of sorority sisters were a lot more forgettable than the previous two, honestly. Um, which is unfortunate because, like, getting to know um, the ensemble has been a bit of the fun of watching through all of these movies. So it's like, 
so it's a bit of a bummer to not connect with all of them. Um, specifically in the way that you're talking about is like each person by themselves, I could find things about them to like, but as a collective unit, this felt like the weakest one. Yeah. Um, mainly because again, that sisterhood aspect, it felt strained here. Like it, they felt like in the first half, I think there seemed to be a little bit more camaraderie there. I feel like the moment shit hits the fan, whatever slim relationship these ladies have with each other really just kind of devolves and yeah. it leads to a lot of characters' deaths because they can't agree on doing any one thing, nor can they like really work together very well. And so like that's kind of frustrating. Um, but I, I hear you with with the first with your first point about just like what this movie is going for versus what it's successful at because i feel like if you go back to the og one right this this idea of the fears of being a young woman in college like just mm-hmm. those fears alone those are very much present in the first one and they're even like there's commentary about them especially with like the abortion section and all that stuff So I enjoyed that with each of the Black Christmases, just the fear of being a young woman is one of the most terrifying things. Because I think that's fair. That's a lot of things that people struggle and deal with. So what's strange is, I think, because the original already makes commentary about that and already includes it, it just feels like this movie's pushing it too, too hard. Like they're trying to go above and beyond to introduce an idea that's already been there from the beginning. Right. And so it's just like, I like the idea of exploring where these ideas would be in 2019 because societal views and the way that we talk and converse about these things has changed. So like, yes, I would like to see how that alters over time, but not in such a way that it takes everything else out of the movie other than the feminist aspect of it because i think that's distracting yeah it's just so much it's so overt which is fine that can work but like stick to your but 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 then prove your point and i don't think that they do i think that the things that they do in this are kind of just they don't work for me in the end because i end up more confused about Mm -hmm. what they were trying to say honestly than i thought i would be because my second con is the character of chris i Mm. think is oh god i think that they did a really bad job with this character because you have this character who is very outspokenly feminist and Mm -hmm. who is very um about her business about the things that she stands for and is very much willing to fight outwardly about the thing the way that she feels and that she believes that a lot of when she thinks that something is wrong she's not afraid to voice that and and push that however she is wrong in this movie because You've created a character that by the end, you are looking me as the uh, in, in the fates. I'm in the audience and you're looking at me and you're saying, Chris was right all along. We should fight for what we believe in. However, Chris was wrong in the way that she rent about a lot of things because 
she's a bad friend. How can you say that? And then you have a friend who has been through a horrific event and who just needs time. She needs time. She needs safety. And you refuse to give any of that to her because it doesn't fit your agenda. You force her to confront her, the man who assaulted her. And you have no, no compassion for that. And you're, and she has to sit here at the end of the movie and tell you that you were right. And like, I just feel like the way that they present it is such a warped way to present that message because healing from that is so personal and is going to look different for every single person. And that is okay. And that should be what is shown that that is okay. I feel like Chris was a great example of someone that could have been like a learning lesson for women supporting women, if they had taken her character and by the end of it, she was like, you know what? I get it now. I should have been there for you and supported for you. You don't have to do things my way because it's not about her. It's about Riley. And I don't think it's bad to say, I I can understand that they're trying to say, you know, this event does not define you. Mm-hmm. Don't let this horrific moment in your life ruin your life, control your life. Like you should over come that ideally you will overcome that but to say that this is the way to i think is just ridiculous i think it's just so frustrating to see that there are constantly people pushing riley to react or assert herself in a specific way against this person that she clearly is not comfortable yet being combative with and she doesn't ever have a say in it. And then by the end, she does stand up and it. By the end, it feels right that she stood up because it was her decision. But everything before that was not up to her. And yet it feels like we're supposed to say, oh, well, that was good for her. Yeah. I, I just think I'm like, wh- why is Chris's way shown as the best way? And there's no atonement for that. Because that I feel like is just not fair to the multifacetedness of healing from a situation like this. It's not, it, it should have been shown that there are different ways to handle it. And instead we're like, this is the way to handle it. The only way, the best way. Don't understand that character at all. It feels like they're making some headway because I do think to a certain degree, she is meant to represent a character who oh, says all these things and says, I'm willing to fight and then kind of, when when it comes down to it is maybe not really about their business in the way that they said they were because we do have a moment of that where she doesn't want to confront this head on Mm -hmm. but then she shows up in the end ready to confront it and all of a sudden riley is like wow the savior of women it just pissed me off because i just think that (laughs) i just think that out of everybody in this movie chris is the least respectful of riley and the things that she has been through. Like, I just think that her character is 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 written in a way where she never learns. Yeah, she she's a very a selfish character. Thing. She's yeah. a very selfish character. Just in the ways that, like, I think the things that she's going for is steeped in a good cause. But she is so caught up in it has to be done her way the way that she wants it to be done and that she has the most effective way to do it that you're right it makes her very unreceptive to the feelings of not only riley but i think a lot of the girls surrounding her 
Mm-hmm. Um, you especially see that with the whole plot point of like, she pushes Riley to, to do the confrontation and then posts it on the internet without yes. telling her. Like, that to me is, just, and then like when you get confronted about it, you're like, but it's got so many views, like it's yeah. so popular. Wasn't that sounds like you're doing it for you. Yeah, and she's like, oh, well, wasn't this the whole point? It's like, the song was the point. But you didn't even check to make sure that right. You didn't even see that Riley said that at the end. And like Riley is clearly distraught about it. And yeah, Chris doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. It's like, it's, <laughs> she's she's rough. But I think for me, something that didn't necessarily work all the way. It wasn't the worst thing, but it was the um, well deletion of Billy. Um, because instead of Billy or this stranger coming in and being the main antagonist, we got the frat boys mm-hmm. are now the bad guys here because they're using some possessed uh, statue bust to um, do dark magical deeds yeah. and kill all the sorority girls. And it's, you know, for this whole like big feminist man versus woman plot line, sure, that works as an antagonist. But that for me really loses it, it 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 loses some of the magic of what again, sorry to go back to the OG again, but this whole notion of like what Black Christmas is, it's mm-hmm. some random psychopath coming into a sorority house and how they deal with that. Yeah. This one is adding in all these different layers and all these different things, which is okay. If you're like fully going that direction, but like if you're gonna refer to yourself as Black Christmas and like be a reboot of Black Christmas, it seems like a bold step to just completely omit such a big aspect mm-hmm. of the original. Because like even 2006, it does its own thing with Billy and that whole subject matter, but it still has that character be there. Yeah, it's just having it be a bunch of frat boys committing murder. It wasn't as strong for me in the scope of the three, even if it may have worked for this particular theme right. that they were going for. I will. So I think, okay. Cause when I was watching this movie, I did try and think of it of what if this movie wasn't called black Christmas? Like what if it was his mm-hmm. own movie? Right. Because to be fair, it is, it, it has nothing to do with black Christmas besides the sorority yeah. aspect. Um, so I, I, I tried to wipe that from my head and I asked myself, would I still like this idea? And I have to say no, but only because of one thing. It was like it was almost there. I actually quite enjoyed the idea of it being a group of guys who were all had this sort of power over these women in a way, because I think when you I when you present this idea of like oh yeah bad things happen in this frat house yeah okay i'm on board that's something Mm -hmm. to be fearful of and i think that that is something that was really strong in the beginning is this idea that like really bad things happen there but not murder but things that women need to be wary of i thought that that was a cool idea and in my head i'm thinking oh wouldn't it be cool if it was just these frat guys, no supernatural, nothing, but they were just, the girls did that thing to them and then they were like, let's just kill them. Like, uh, just a ma- mm-hmm. you know what I was like? That would be an interesting idea of these guys that just got together and were like, what if we just killed them? And and it became kind of like a slasher in that way. Yeah. 
So then you introduce a supernatural element and it's kind of weird and wonky. But if you're going to go for a heightened idea, okay, cool, fine. It's supernatural. But then you fuck up because then you introduce the idea that, well, actually, it's the pledges and the pledges are basically like hypnotized. This magic turns them into people that they are not normally. I think that was the mistake. If you're going to have it be this way, have it be the frat guys who know exactly what's happening and it's just something they want to do. Don't have them be under a trance. Have them be themselves. And maybe they just have a little bit of extra power, but they're still themselves because I think when you take away the choice, you're losing your message. Isn't the whole point that they're choosing to do this to these women, but now you introduce this idea of like, oh yeah, that's the bus taking them over. It's like, why? So, so what? It's just these random frat guys who got taken over by magic and then they're the ones that get killed. And like, maybe they didn't even really know that this was was, was, was what was gonna happen. Cause then you have this whole, idea with marty's boyfriend where he's not normally like that but he was being influenced by the bust and like Mm -hmm. so he is a good guy and he was under magic landon's a good guy and he was under magic i don't want those to be the antagonists i don't want it to be good guys who are under a spell have it be the guys that are shitty have it be the misogynistic guys doing it why are they just chilling in in their robes in the room waiting for the <laughs> waiting for the pledges <laughs> to come back. I thought that was a mistake. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you. Like if you're going down that route, just go the whole way with it. Yeah. And have them truly be the the pure evil, not just like the doctor guy. Which that or was it Gelson, Professor Gelson? Yeah. Um man, like <laughs> just miss me with that shit. I would have preferred <laughs> if they had made that a red herring because you know what that would have gotten me if he had nothing nothing to do with this and was just a character that we were judging from the beginning but honestly we didn't know anything about that would have been way more effective than him being the fucking ringleader i was like i agree i agree i think it would have been really interesting if we had another situation where we all assumed it was him and maybe he kind of paid the price for that and then we found mm-hmm. out he wasn't involved at all instead we get a red herring through helena well she's not even really a red herring she is she is the herring um <laughs> <laughs> she is working with the guys which again uh that really i really thought that was really unnecessary because once again we have things that are only for the audience's benefit why did we see her get kidnapped if she was working with them the whole time and then you have this other uh, scene where so she was just acting like she was getting assaulted, you know, like things like that, that that to me would have been much stronger if that was actually happening. And because that is I would much prefer to see a character dealing with the aftermath of that in addition to Riley than it being, oh, it was all a lie. Just in case you came to see me, I wanted you to like, what? Well, why are we doing all these weird little puppet string moments that Mm -hmm. just so that Helena can be involved. And I mean, okay, yeah, you wanted to have a character where it's that woman who is okay with those non-progressive ideals and who wants to live in a world where men are on top and you want to show that. 
but it meant nothing in the end it was just so useless to me i i honestly could have done without it and it wouldn't have changed the story at all for me <laughs> yeah also like for me the writing of it wasn't the best in terms just in terms of like yes this type of woman exists yes she does actually kind of sound something like that but it was just too much like textbook like i am for the man like yeah. man's world is the best world like everything felt like i had probably heard it before on some sort of political yeah. um broadcast like it 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 left nothing to the imagination for me um so it ended up feeling very much like a caricature which in the grand scheme of things maybe not the worst thing because like she wasn't the biggest plot point right aren't you tired of fighting against your true nature right just because we're taking our rightful place behind them doesn't mean that we aren't needed they needed me to collect the objects from the girls so the pledges would know who to go after i have a final in 10 minutes and i can't find my diva cup Thanks for the comb, by the way. How could you do that to your sisters? I'm helping women. Everything is so out of whack. It's so much easier this way. You are a traitor! This is your last chance, right? join me we can be good women or or we will bring you to your knees and you will beg for mercy something about this movie didn't gel and i think it's because it was pushing too hard when it didn't have to i think mm -hmm. a lot of the pieces for what it wanted to do were already there they just need a little bit of maybe tweaking and, and experimenting to go the route that they wanted to go. Um, but this version that we get feels a little bit overbearing at times. And it feels like there's just a lot of inconsistencies. Um, yeah. Also, I did chuckle a little bit when we first see the assailant because I was like, they did not have the killer walk out in a goddamn Doctor Doom robe. I'm yes, over it. <laughs> they did. And they have multiple ones. And also they mentioned that the killer is supposed to get supernatural strength from the bus. Baby, he weak. They're all weak. <laughs> what strength? They're they're normal. It it just it really does feel. I'm like that doesn't track for me because they seem like they're pretty easily taken down. It's not like there's yeah. huge scuffles. I mean, there are if they catch the girls by surprise, but for mm -hmm. the most part, our our girls take down three of them on their own, and it's like, where is the supernatural strength? If you're gonna say that, then make them really fucking strong, like. Mm -hmm. Make it so that they have to run and they can't fight back. Don't, or just don't say that shit at all. It just feels to me that these men probably go to the gym a couple times a day. They're fine. They're athletic, <laughs> but they're not supernatural strong. Um, And then also, too, I think the ending is not like the, the ending is fine. Um for what it is you know like with, the all-out battle i was like okay again for what we're going for here it worked for me that yeah. that's like that's how i assumed things would devolve mm -hmm. into but yeah wasn't my I'm, favorite i'd say like i enjoyed all of the girls coming together i liked the reveal that this is happening 
not all the sororities. Yeah, that and was so, a fun reveal. That was a nice reveal. That was I nice. liked that addition. I did like that. So it was cool when they all kind of banded together because it wasn't just happening to our house that we were spending mm-hmm. time at. Um, but I do think that they could have done a lot more with the... Because instead of calls in this one, we get texts. Mm-hmm. That was corny to me uh, just because i feel like they could have done a lot with that it's like you have so much technology now you could have made that really cool you could have made true. them doing all maybe there's videos of you that are like getting out online revenge porn mm-hmm. it's it's such a like revenge porn is such a huge issue like what if they had filmed them naked and it got leaked online and nobody knew who did it like things like that where maybe they were the men were really kind of fucking with them and like really ruining their lives instead they just are like the time is coming near xoxo like what the fuck (laughs) what are what like it means nothing these texts don't incite any fear into them we get told that they've gotten multiple texts but the only ones we see are like lol can't wait until the coronation babes like what (laughs) it just feels like there's this weird there's a there's a gap there where I wanted more outside antagonizing, where I mm-hmm. wanted them really to be messed with and really fearful of of what was going to happen. Um, and it doesn't get utilized because, yeah, they just get DMs. And then yeah. also there's a moment where the creepy the one of the assailants kisses riley under the mistletoe and what was like what was that what was that about it it, nothing like that has ever happened if you're gonna do stuff like that have that be have have the threat of like sexual violence be present in every assailant you know like have every that have that be ever present in this movie but yeah. why is it, oh, just like all of a sudden, just, because just he's Riley. under mistletoe, he's like, damn, got to follow the rules. I, I just did, yeah. I didn't understand that. I'm under that. a dark spell here, but I still, you know, one for tradition. <laughs> yeah, uh, I would hate to upset Santa. Like the, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. The you, you bring up a great point, though, with the technology, because that's something I forgot to talk about in 2006, where we had caller ID then. Mm-hmm. And at that point, they did a good job in utilizing that because in the original, the idea is like, oh, the call coming from the house. That's iconic because of the time, right? Mm. Like finding that out is such a big deal. In 2006, they play with this idea that the calls are coming from particular people's phones, yeah. people that you're like, yo, where is that person? Right. That was a great addition. And that that I think is taking the technology, taking the same idea, but then like modernizing it to make it work in nowadays. Mm-hmm. And I agree. I think like, now I don't know exactly what I would do. So I'm gonna throw that out there. Like I don't have the solution, but I do think that there may have been a more entertaining way to go about the, the phone harassment mm-hmm. aspect. Because Again, even if you're going full left field and not being Black Christmas anymore, I feel like there are just little things about the about the franchise that like having it in there helps and mm-hmm. like having having the the anonymous phone calls, that's a big deal. It's it, it's one of the one of the big standout points of of this whole thing. So, it seems strange to omit that. And and all of that being said, I don't dislike this movie i i don't think it's bad 
It's just mm-hmm. not memorable and it's not effective. It's a movie that I would never see myself going back to watch. Like I'm mm-hmm. not mad that they tried to redo it and do it differently. It has its moments where I'm like, that was, I liked that. Or like, okay, that was kind of clever or that was a good idea kind of. However, I would say out of all of them, I just think that it was the most disappointing because with the topics that you're choosing to tackle, I just don't think you successfully tackled any of them. And Mm -hmm. you really boosted yourself up saying, oh, this is going to be for like this and for women and for this and that and we're gonna showcase this and that and instead you i feel like just to me it all just didn't it all felt as though everything got approached wrong (laughs) like every everything that they wanted to approach it just came from the wrong angle and it's just a little bit irritating in a series where I feel like it has been done successfully before it has been done and I've felt good about that like I feel good when I finish watching the first one I love that kind of a characterization and then you get into this one and I feel like we're left with a movie that to a lot of people is like ew I don't want to see anything like that ever again and I can't really blame them Mm because like you've taken something and you just have fumbled it and i do think i do know there's a really quick turnaround for this movie i think this movie needed a lot more workshopping i think it needed Mm. more time i think that they should have sat and really tweaked the script kind of approached different people gotten some different ideas Mm -hmm. because as it stands i just i'm kind of i'm just irritated by the way that certain plot points ended. Yeah. I just think it was a huge miss. And I feel like they really had an opportunity here with especially calling it Black Christmas to, and if it, with it being PJ 13, if that's what they wanted to do, they had an opportunity here to really open up a new version of it for younger generations who could also feel represented and like very happy with the, what they saw on screen. Mm-hmm. And it just feels like such a bummer. It just feels like a letdown kind of more than anything else. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. But on the bright side, I think we're done talking about Black Christmas, y'all. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, whenever, whenever we do these like bigger episodes where we do t- mm-hmm. multiple movies, we don't usually do our normal ratings. Um Mm-mm. But I guess asking you, should we rate these? You want to maybe put them in like your favorite to least favorite? Like, what are you thinking? Mm, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and rate them. Okay. Because I feel like favorite to least favorite is not going to be super accurate for me. Okay. <laughs> um, but I feel like rating them might be a little bit more accurate. All right. For sure. Um, so how about we go ahead and start with just the OG uh 74 black christmas um oh should we have one rating all the way through yeah should we maybe do um glass unicorns because wasn't that in all three of them was it in the third one 
I feel like it was like a tiny little thing in the third I one, I think right? it was a tiny thing in the third one. Because I know they had the cat again, who was Claudette this time, I think, instead of Claude. Right. Um, I think I'm pretty Somebody sure they had the glass unicorn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Let's yeah. do it. Glass unicorn. That sounds good. Okay. For the OG, I'm going to give it five out of five glass unicorns. Okay. There is nothing about this movie that I would change. Okay. I think it is successful. I think it's scary. I think that the writing and the acting, it's all there. Directing is there. Um... It's a great holiday horror, but you can watch this all year round. And yeah, I just really don't think there's anything that they could have done to this movie that would have made me be like, think that it was any better. I think they kind of nailed it. So five out of five glass unicorns. Okay. I think for me, I'm going to go ahead and give the OG 4.8 out of five glass unicorns. Really echoing a lot of the stuff you just said phenomenal acting interesting story conceptually i really like it and i think the things that it sets up for future movies is very important overall to the genre Mm -hmm. um my only complaint the only reason it's not a five is i do think it's a little long specifically because i think there are things in there that are nice fluff that do add stuff but we don't really need Mm -hmm. and i do think like you could probably do one more round of trims to this movie and make it a nice succinct uh film but overall still i really enjoy it and even on a like not full second watch but just kind of like watching it again it got better the second time so any movie that has that effect i always want to rate a little bit higher so the og i'm gonna say 4.8 out of 5 glass unicorns okay um so that leads us into 2006 Mm -hmm. i think i'm gonna give 2006 I'm gonna give it a I'm gonna give it three glass unicorns out of five. That's probably okay. more than it deserves. But <laughs> I just I think that this one is stupid fun. It's just ridiculous. It goes so over the top, but it's just it's just enjoyable for like a mindless kind of holiday horror movie. I like the kills. I like the girls. I I think that they ha- did what you know well-esque with some of the characterizations um and i feel like this one still holds a little bit of that camaraderie and i like the way that these girls interact even if it is kind of dumb um Mm -hmm. i i still like the way they interact and you know it it does what it it does it does okay it does okay but it's fun (laughs) and so i have to give it a three out of five glass unicorns just for my enjoyment level hey that is okay um (laughs) i myself i'm gonna i'm gonna give it a or i'm gonna give 2006 a 2.2 out of five glass unicorns uh mostly just because it's ridiculous in a lot of places but but I can't lie. After watching the original and then watching 2006, I was interested just because I wanted to see all of the random shit that they did differently. <laughs> yeah. And for for that reason, it was an entertaining watch. Um, but it has a lot of issues for me. <laughs> I do think s- quite a few of the Billy plot points are just unnecessary and quite frankly weird. And so even though the cast is pretty good, and there are fun moments. It's not my favorite. So 2.2 2 out of 5 glass unicorns. <laughs> Alrighty. And getting into 2019, I'm going to go ahead and give it a 2.5 out 
out of five glass unicorns. It's just right in the middle, 50% for me. Mm -hmm. Because I don't hate it. Like, it's fine. But it's just, it could have been so much more. It could have been so much better. They could have done some really interesting things, interesting characterizations. I also think one more thing that I think really brought it down for me is... In a movie like this, uh, where you're kind of trying to show this, you know, Me Too movement and this idea of men uh, being uh, this being having the potential to really take women down. I feel like showing the men as these cartoon villains was such a misstep. Like Mm -hmm. a, a little bit of nuance would have gone so far in this movie because you're dealing with very real situations and I feel like you could have had much more instances of people of the type of guys that women encounter on a day to day and they're not all mustache twirling bow (laughs) bow on your knees guys it's and I just think that that was really ridiculous so for the sole purpose that it was it had good ideas it, it's high. I'm like giving it a little bit of extra, but mm-hmm. I I refuse to put it above a 50 just because like I'm so disappointed. <laughs> so <laughs> 2.5 out of five glass unicorns. Okay, fair enough. Honestly, I think the same. I think 2.5 out of five is about how I feel as well. Yeah. Um, mostly because even though 2006 was more fun, I do think that this is the better movie. Yeah. And a lot of that is, like you said, just due to potential. The first half of this movie, I think really, really good. And I think there's some great setup for things. But damn, does it kind of fall flat for me in the second half. And I do think the introduction of like the mystical and like magic and stuff like that, I think that's unnecessary and takes away from one more time for the people in the back going to the OG, (laughs) that nuance, that subtlety. I really, really enjoyed those things. Mm -hmm. And to have that be nearly absent in this one really brought it down for me. So although it was still a decent watch, like I didn't hate my watch through of it. Yeah. I just too was disappointed. And so 2.5 out of 5, I think that's a healthy amount of glass unicorns for this to be. Yeah, that's like the most glass unicorns all uh, a lot to this one. Um, But... That's it. We have made it through all of the Black Christmases. Um, did we survive? Barely. But <laughs> I would love to hear what you guys think about any of the Black Christmases. Um, and if you've seen all of them, I would love to know how you would rank the three of them. So if you'd like to let us know, you can always talk to us on our social media. We are homies of horror on everything. Or if you prefer, you can always talk to us in our Discord. That is where we hang out with the homies every other day of the week. And we talk about all kinds of things in there, including horror. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, then the link for that is in our social media bios. And like I said, if you're listening to this on Monday, we are having our Twitch holiday party and we would love to see you guys there 3 pst is the start time uh we will be doing all kinds of fun stuff today so yeah please come through if that sounds like something you'd like to do 
And last but not least, if you are so inclined, we'd very much appreciate it if you would leave us a rating or a review. You can do both on Apple Podcasts. The more we get, the better. Recommends our show to more listeners. And we like to hear what you guys are thinking. Uh, so if you have an Apple account and haven't done that, we would love for you to. Or if you're listening over on Spotify, just go to the top where our name is and hit the stars underneath to rate us. But we hope that you guys have a great rest of your week. We hope that you enjoyed our Black Christmas episode. And we hope that you guys have a great Christmas because it's a coming. Uh, <laughs> so Merry Christmas, homies. And we'll be seeing you next week. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. And we'll catch you next time, homies. Bye. <laughs>